You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 4, Season 3. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun will be by very shortly. We're going to talk about the Leafs roster as it is now set to launch into a new NHL regular season. It opens Wednesday night in Montreal. Before we get there, consider this. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement for you, you can turn smaller bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you so desire. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. The code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. And so the Maple Leaf roster is set, and there are interesting numbers here. Roster size normally is 23. The Leafs could only squeeze in 20 players on their roster. They had to use long-term injury replacement of over $2.1 million to get in under the cap, so this was a tight fit. And here's another interesting thing to think about going forward. The Leafs are allowed 50 contracts like all NHL teams, and the Leafs have 50 contracts. That's tight. So going forward, it's going to be a player for a player or multiple players and one coming back. They don't have a lot of wiggle room in every sense of the word in terms of the cap. They're right on it. And in terms of the number of contracts, they're right on that. And what does all that mean? Well, a healthy Leaf team would stack up like this. Matthews between Marner and Bunting. Tavares between Mulgan and Nylander. Kerfoot between Yarncroke and on the other side, Engvall. And Camp on the fourth line between Obey Kubel and Aston Reese. Aston Reese was signed, and he's the 50th player that the Leafs have under contract. On the blue line, it's Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, and Gio and Sandine. And, of course, Lilligren is injured, so something has to happen when he comes back. In goal, Murray and Samsonov. Murray expected to start Wednesday night at the Bell Center in Montreal. So now that we mapped all of that out, let's get into our conversation with Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. So, Terry, I, I guess this comes down to Mulgan over Robertson, and we can understand that because Robertson can clear waivers. But it was a pretty spirited battle at camp, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think if if the uh, all things being, were equal, Robertson would be there and Mulgan probably wouldn't be. I like Robertson's camp more, and uh, there was nothing that he did wrong. And, and now, you know, as much as you can explain it to a player, Jim, um, somebody who's 21 and given it everything and earned it, you know, as much as you can explain why this is happening, Nick knows why he's a smart kid. It's still going to be a disappointment, and you know the 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 uh, the challenge for him now is to go down to the Marlies, forget it happened, and get back up here as soon as possible. But he proved through the regular, or sorry, through the preseason that he's capable of this. And uh, like I say, he had a hell of a camp. Malgin was good too. There's no, I'm not going to take anything away from that. It's tough to see Robertson. Um, 
you know, everything he did in the end not matter because of the salary cap issues. Yeah, and, and I guess, uh, you know, as we start another season, it's the salary cap that takes over front and center here without without losing everybody with the, uh, the you know, the finer points. I mean, they have 20 players on this roster because that's all they could fit in. Yeah. And they had to use Lilligren and, and Ben's uh, injury replacement money to, to get there. So I don't know what happens when these guys come back. And, and clearly, you know, in a normal situation, you, you'd be able to keep Mulgan and Robertson. But this is not a normal situation. No, and you're hoping that no one gets food poisoning on the flight to Montreal Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, because you know you you just it, it's a tough spot, like you say. It's 20 man roster, and you know you go from there and hope no one gets hurt in the uh, warm up on on Wednesday. All this sort of thing. So in a normal world, Jim, we're not seeing this. And then again, in a normal world, Zach Aston re-signs during the summer with the Leafs for probably right. more than we got now, and a bunch of other people who are on the PTOs would have signed with their respective teams. I don't have to wait as long as they did, let alone get released. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes. But, uh, you know, Timothy Lilligren, for his part, has been skating and, and uh, looking good. And, uh, you know, you, you have to you'd have to think he's not too far away. The, the team they're putting on the ice Wednesday night is, is going to be a good hockey team. I yep. think we can agree on that. So that, that's yep. the most important thing. Injuries are going to happen, and um, I don't think I don't think it'll be it'll be overly long that they're in this predicament, if you will. And we still have to make sure that John Tavares can go on Wednesday. I mean, you know, one more practice for him to get through, and all signs are pointing to him playing, coming back from the oblique strain. But uh, you know, this is not I don't the way the nature of the game, the nature of injuries. I don't think this is something that's a huge issue for the Leafs uh, for the long-term future. No, and I guess, you know, the way to sum up what we've been talking about is if the Leafs have food poisoning or somebody goes down in the pregame skate or, or the game day skate or in the first period, well, it wouldn't matter if the game was started, but there is no replacement. They're going to have to go one player short or how many short they, they have to go. Yeah, exactly. We're going, they're going there with four lines, 6D, two goalies. And then the other, the other part of it, too, is you come back, you come right back and play the next night, Jim. Wow, they got four at games in their first six nights. Yeah, at home against Washington. So, you know, say you're carrying, uh, you're able to carry both Robertson and Malgin. Um, I would, no matter what happens on Wednesday in Montreal, I would bet the other guy would have got in Thursday the next yeah. night if it was that easy. But right now they don't have that option. Okay, so let's deal with what we have. And and, and I guess, you know, the, the headline would be Mulgan playing with Tavares and Nylander, which is, you know, if you're going to come out of camp and, and you found that winger for that line, that's a pretty good plus, isn't it? It's a plus, but the fact of the matter is they haven't played together. So we, we can look at it on paper and say, yes, it, it does look like that. But the fact of the matter is we don't know yet. And right. we know that Tavares and Nylander had ups and downs last year with the chemistry, right? So... They're going to be looking to get get that back when they have been at their best together, and now doing it with a guy that really that, that they haven't played with before. So there is that challenge, but uh, you know, give, like we mentioned, given the amount of hockey they're going to be playing in the next week to two weeks, there there won't be much excuse for it not to happen because they're going to be playing a lot, getting a lot of ice time, this sort of thing. And again, you know, assuming this stays together, but uh, um, you know, Malgin had a good camp, had had two good years in Switzerland. We know that. Came back and has done some good things uh, for the past few weeks, but they're not going to be able to hit the ground running. They're going to have to get uh, used to the three of them to get used to each other and how they play. I know Nylander's played with Malgin a bit, obviously, in the past little while, but uh, uh, Tavares, the fact, you know, this full full practicing now for a few days, hasn't had the games. And as we know, it can take somebody, uh, players, a while to get back up to stuff. And uh, we'll see how long it takes the, the captain, but uh, 
given the type of injury that he had, you know, obviously he's not going to come back and be, I don't think he'd be playing through much pain or anything. Like, I don't think the doctors will clear him in that case, but uh, you know, there will still be the issue of getting the timing back and all that. And uh, that's not going to happen from the opening puck drop right away on Wednesday. Well, it's sort of a good news, bad news scenario, because I think if we're talking about that second line, that was a concern based on how the season ended last year. And, and now it's still a concern, but the good news is I don't think there's any concern about lines three and four. This is, this is a really good collection of hockey players, Kerfoot between Yarn Croak and, and Engvall and camp centering Obey Kubel and Aston Reese. I, I like those bottom six forwards and you know, I, it's a long way off, but the bottom six will decide a playoff series. And, and I think last year, clearly the bottom six, certainly the fourth line was a problem. I don't see that anymore. I don't either. I, I like the six, Jim. I really do. Like you say, it's a solid group. I really like the potential of what that third line could bring. Uh, Engvall, Kerfoot, and, and Yarncroke, like you say, um, you know, some checking experience there. But they're all they're all responsible players. But also, you know, the ability to put the puck in the net. They're still going to have to find a way to uh, replace the 21 goals that Ilya Mikheyev took to Vancouver with them. And, yeah. and that might be asking for a little bit much from Elgin in the top six right now. Uh, but if they can get that offensive production from that third line, which I think they're very capable of doing, um, it'll be it'll be great. And then the fourth line, I don't know how much offense they're going to kick in, but again, defensively responsible. That has been Aston Reese's bread and butter through his career, almost all of it with Pittsburgh, a little bit with Anaheim. But uh, hey, listen, we saw what Camp did last year. Came in was a real bonus for them. Great signing by uh, uh, Kyle Dubas in the offseason a year ago. And Obey Kubel didn't play every game for Colorado in the cup or in the cup run, but did a, did a good job. I think he got into 14 games and, and uh, you know, has that cup ring and has that experience. So he brings that knowledge to your bottom six, which you can't get uh, fairly easily. So, I, again, it's a solid group. I like it. Um, you know, we'll see when the, when things get going for real in Montreal. But, uh, you know, you'd have to be awfully nitpicky, I think, at this point to start po- po- uh, pointing at this bottom six and poking a bunch of holes. And I think it's a solid group. Oh, I, I think it's as good as they've ever had. I mean, I like that. We've spent so much time talking about the fourth line. Clearly, in a playoff series, as you saw with the two teams in the Stanley Cup final, their fourth lines were, were superb, and that's really what you need uh, yeah. because some, sometimes the top end gets canceled out, which, which we've seen before. I guess going forward, you know, I was also thinking that when the season started that they might do some load management with Muzzin, but that's that's not an option anymore, is it? No, it isn't. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, too. I mean, Muzzin gets into one game Saturday night. Looks really good, uh, Jim. I thought the pair of him and Hall were great. Uh, you know, kind of looked like they hadn't missed a beat, and, and you know, getting back to the, the kind of hockey that they're that we know that they're capable of because they got away from them as we know quite a bit last year. Yeah, you know, Muzzin hurt for a lot of it. Just played in forty-seven games, but uh, you know, you, you, we'll see how the minutes are spread out. But again, you, it, now with Giordano and Sandine as your third pair, you're, you're not, you're not. There's not. It's not falling off at that point. You're not looking at it going, okay, well, that's a normal five-six. You have a guy there that's played twenty years in the league, and and someone else who's awfully hungry to get this right. And I think we'll do that. So if you decide to split those minutes a little more evenly between Muslin and Hall and Giordano and Sandine, if you want to manage some Muslin that way, I think you're safe in doing it. And again, two games and two nights coming up to start Wednesday, Thursday, then again, then right back against Saturday, uh, Ottawa on Saturday, Arizona Monday. So there's a lot of hockey to come, but I think, you know, Sheldon Keefe's a smart coach so they can go about this the right way and use those minutes appropriately for those four. Well, and I, we don't have a watch sponsor, but Rasmus Sandine wins the timing award, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 not bad. I mean, it, listen, in a perfect world, is a great no. You'll want to be here from day one and, and working out with your teammates and getting used to everything. But, uh, 
the way it went for Sandy, you know, those injuries that popped up, you know, I guess a couple of Wednesdays ago in that preseason game against Montreal. Uh, it, it, it's good for him because you don't miss enough now that you're, you're, you're catching up. That, that part has happened and he should be fine on Wednesday night when the season starts. I don't think that'll be an issue, but again, you have somebody that's hungry and, and wants to make this right. I mean, there's pride there and pride there involved as well. And uh, Sandine wants to show Kyle Dubas that, okay, you know, this whole thing probably shouldn't happen the way that there, you know, he hadn't signed and all that sort of thing and wound up signing for the same money he would have got had he signed earlier. But uh, that's all water under the bridge now. I think you have someone who's awfully eager to get going and make it right. And that brings us to the goaltending, which was the offseason concern. And, you know, it's only preseason hockey, so not going to uh, anoint anybody. But they were pretty darn good the preseason. I didn't see any flaws at all. They were. And, you know, uh, you can say what you want about the preseason being meaningless. Well, it's not. How is it meaningless? You have two new guys coming in, Jim, who want to get to know their teammates, want to start start to build that foundation, whatever it might be in the end. And they both did that. And, you know, it, it tells me that, that all this work they came in and did in the summer, Murray especially, at uh, the facility is starting to pay off. Uh, they're clearly on the same page, the goalie coach and Curtis Sanford, you know, obviously working on some technical things with both guys. Samsonoff telling us that, you know, the key for him was being a little quicker post to post. And I think we've seen that through the, the preseason. But, uh, you know, what you want is for these guys to, to, to show something in, in the preseason. They did that. Murray even possibly more than, than they might have been expecting get a 969 save percentage, which, I mean, it is pretty close to perfect. You can't argue with it at all. Now, real games get going, everything else, teams have their full lineups, I understand that, but you wanted that positivity to start from day one at camp. They said it, then they went out and did it over the next couple of weeks, and they're, they're in a good spot now. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. You have Murray going against the Canadians on Wednesday night, Samsonov coming right back the next night against Alex Ovechkin and his old teammates, the Washington Capitals. So there'll be something yeah. on the line for him, boom, right away. You know, all due respect, he's not getting thrown in next Monday against the Arizona Coyotes and expecting to be quite easily come up the other side. It'll be a nice challenge for Samsonov right off the bat, and I think it's going to be good for him. Okay, I, t- I tend to what I tend to do with this is I look back certainly over the last two years and, and sort of project where this goes. We're still on the goaltending year, so you got two new goalies, uh, and you've got a new goaltending coach. So the goaltending department has been revamped, and, and I have to say, even before the season starts, there's just a, a better feeling about all this, isn't there? There is now. There is. There, you know, yeah. it's better than it was three or four weeks ago, and. You know, keep saying the other night to us after the game Saturday, Jim, that, you know, you always had the optimism. And, of course, you do. But, you know, again, he, he saw behind the scenes what was going on with Murray being in, in town like he was for several weeks and uh, and all that sort of thing. But uh, the reason the reason why that feeling is different now is because of what this transpired over the past couple of weeks. If these guys had faltered and struggled, the alarm bells would have been going off. That would have been the only story now going into Wednesday. But it's not because they played well. So, yes, there is a good feeling about it. You know, in the Murray, Murray, I'll just go back to comparing him with Jack Campbell, is different because Campbell was trying to prove something that he hadn't done before. Murray's yeah. done it before. It's not getting back to that level. And he believes think he's capable of doing it. He thinks he's capable of doing it. He's going to get pushed here by Sam Sonoff, which I think is good for him. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that potential is there. And then in Sam Sonoff, it's not your, you know, your typical – backup if you will i'm gonna be a backup maybe a tandem if they, if they sell healthy he's a young kid he's in his mid-20s still has a lot to prove and uh you know i i think that that uh, potential is there for him as well 
Yeah, I just it's just a better feeling. Last year when they brought in Morazic, uh, it just it created some uncertainty, and then you know from the early stages, it just it didn't go to where it was supposed to, and it was a, a stress point. This looks good. Uh, again, the season hasn't started, so but based on what we've seen, it looks good, and it's uh, sort of comforting, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. When we go to the blue line, if you do if you go back from a year ago, I mean the back end of that blue line is much better than it was as they started. So I I, I have to salute the lease for that. I, I I like this blue line. Yeah, I do too. You know, Riley Brody have proven to be uh, a smart a smart pair. I, I think it's going to hinge on Muzzin and Hall, Jim, like I kind of mentioned earlier, getting, yeah. especially Muggin, Muzzin, sorry, getting back to that level that we know he can play at. Uh, he came back and did it in the playoffs. So the capabilities are there. And, you know, him being open with us on Saturday morning, saying, hey, I got in my own head last year a bit. And, you know, for, for, for Muzzin to be that candidate, that tells you something. But he recognized that behind the scenes, recognizes it publicly. And as, as Sheldon Keefe said to us, you know, Muzzin's in a good headspace now. I believe that, it, you know, it appears that way. He didn't let this back discomfort discourage him, although it's something he has dealt with throughout his career over the past couple of weeks. So he's good to go. And, and like we said, Giordano and Sandine, when you add that that veteran uh, presence in Giordano, I know he doesn't have the playoff experience and all that uh, for the most part, but uh, I, I just like it. I, I think he'll be a good, um, a good tutor for Sandine there, Jim. You know, Sandino, there was all this, you know, people, so they trade him, so they do this to that during the, the contract negotiations or lack thereof, and not a chance. I mean, you need this guy. As, as, as Duba said to us during the summer, he and Lilligren are massive parts of this team's future. You see the potential there. He's young. Rasmus Sandin's best days are way ahead of him. But if he can get on track this year, and I think, you know, he stays healthy, Giordano stays healthy, there is a real potential there for that for that uh, tandem to really work. And like I said, I just have a lot of respect for Giordano. Here's a guy who Jim, for the first time in his career, didn't, you know, didn't have to leave everything behind in summer home, staying home. He's telling me a few weeks ago, comfortable, kids are in school. You know, not that, not that he wasn't in a good place mentally playing for Calgary or then for Seattle at the end there, but uh, the fact that he's not budging from what he knows best, I mean, I think it's going to be good for him. And, uh, almost a rejuvenation, if you will. But I I, I like the, the six as we speak right now, I, I like a lot. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think I think it should bode well for them. Yeah, there's no no real concern there for me, for no. sure. Go to the forward unit. If you go back to a year ago, it was an open cast call on the left side. And now yeah. the only thing we're going to talk about in this forward unit is, is, is Mulgan the right guy for Devaris and Nylander? I, I, I think that's a major move forward, that that's your only question. I think that's the only one. You, you, there are yeah. none with the top line. The only oh. question with Matthew's line is how much better can it get? Yeah, and I th- there's still room there. There's still room there. They haven't certainly haven't reached the ceiling. Like Marner shooting 100 points this year for the first time that he's healthy, and Bunting, the, there's still a lot more potential there. Again, a guy who's not very old. So Malkin really only is that question mark right now. Now, to a minor, more, smaller degree, like we spoke of earlier, you want Nylander and Tavares to get back to their best days together. That eluded them a bit last year. Um, but Malkin is that question mark and. Yes, he had a good camp and everything, and, and that's fine. But, uh, you know, now he has to prove it. It didn't go so well for him. The last time he was through here, you know, the the, the career that he had uh, earlier with Florida or that part of his career, you know, ups and downs, inconsistencies. So it's one thing to uh, to do well in, in Switzerland, Jim, and, and put up the points there. It's quite another do in the National Hockey League. But if you're going to – if I'm Dennis, Denny Maligan and I'm getting the start – you could do a lot worse than getting a, a look with Nylander and Tavares uh, to get the season going. So yeah, right now, that, right now, that's about it for me. We went through the bottom six; they're good to go. Yeah. It's a solid one. And if it doesn't work, you know, 
Nick Robertson can be called up. You can send Melgan down and go from there. Yeah, I mean, they have uh, clearly what was established in training camp was they've got very good depth at every position. So not no. too worried about, uh, you know, coming up with a solution. No. You know, as I, as I look at this team, I, I, obviously the history lesson is going to tell me not to get too excited about it. I, I just, you know, sometimes you forget of the ads. Uh, you know, if you go back two years ago, there was Kerfoot. Now there's Kerfoot, Yarncroak, and, and Camp. And that that's a nice collection of Swiss Army knives, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, especially Yarncroak, too. I mean, I don't think he scored more than 16 goals in a season in his career, Jim, but we saw the few times during the preseason that when when he could find time to use it, that release is something. Yeah. And, you know, if if he can get that going a little more here, I mean, you know, Kiefer said to us, he likes the idea that he can move Yarn Croke up if he has to. That's another that's another option if Malgin doesn't work there. And they right. decide, say, they wake up Friday morning, which I think is going to be an off day, and Malgin hasn't worked for his first couple of games. Do you give Yarn Croke a look there Saturday against Ottawa? Maybe, but the fact of the matter is I think that's an option for Sheldon Keefe going forward, or at least that he thinks it is right now. So you like that. And Kerfoot and Mr. Dependable, so good now. Again, the, the hue and cry to trade him during the summer to free up that $3.5 million. Thank goodness they didn't do it, right? I mean, we yeah. just, I said earlier, you're already trying to place the offense McKayo brought. Kerfoot's a smart, a smart hockey player. Does he light the lamp for you all the time? No. Does he make beautiful, pretty plays all the time? No, but he's dependable, and you need it there. And again, a guy that can move up playing that second line if you need it. So like you say, Swiss Army Knife is a good way to put it. I think Eng- Engvall, too, is a guy we shouldn't overlook in that regard, someone who I think is on the cusp. I mean, if this guy ever realizes his size and speed, Jim, because yeah. he, he has good hands, that size and speed, I mean, people shouldn't be able to take the puck off him. No, I mean, he could uh, he could advance like Mikheyev did. I mean, he, he could be a big factor in pushing that team forward if yeah. he takes the next step. Yeah, agreed. So uh, the other, I guess the other sort of unknown thing is the team has enough scar tissue now, so – there really is. I mean, they, they have to learn from all those failures. Yeah, but you know what? You and I have talked about this in the past, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, every year around May, we we seem to get into it. The scab just come. The scab just <laughs> becomes a little bigger. You know, I don't know, a little harder to pull off. But uh, at some point, it's got to break. It almost did against you know the defending two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. You know, you go to Game Seven, what you lose by a goal, or it's just that close I understand it's not good enough of course it's not but that could be the last time that they experience it to me Jim it hinges on the two men in net uh, you know what you we, we've gone over it you have the depth you have the star power up front you've got good depth on the blue line don't know there's a Norris trophy winner there but it's solid throughout if they get good goaltending we saw during the regular season didn't need superb goaltending to finish with the team record in points It'll count. It'll count most in the middle of next April and beyond. That's where the guys they're going to have to, you know, have that springboard. The goalies are during the regular season to, to do good things in the postseason. But without it, they're not going to go far. But uh, you know, we'll find out in the next five or six months what the Dubas is right about that. Yeah, and just to wrap it all up, my my major concern here is a twenty man roster. That's pretty tight. It is. It's very tight. It, well, it's, it's it's about as tight as you want. You you certainly don't want to be getting into a into a, a situation where you're you know short bodies where you're really short, you know, the proper number on the ice. But, you know, for now, they seem to have avoided it by the skin of their teeth. And uh, we'll see what comes in the next, uh, you know, 48 to 72 hours. But uh, the looks of the roster right now, the 20 people are going to play on Wednesday in Montreal. It's a solid group throughout. Last minute of play in this podcast. 
All right. Thank you, Mike Ross, for the time warning. And uh, that means it's time for Lickety Split Yes Guy, No Guy. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. You like the Leafs roster. Oh, that's an emphatic Yes Guy for reasons that we just went through. Very solid, a little thin in terms of depth. There's only 20 guys on it, but it looks good. Yes Guy, No Guy number two. Sold in the goaltending. Well, that's a No Guy. Got to see it to believe it, but there are indications it could turn out well, but have to go with No Guy right now. Yes Guy, No Guy number three. You like the bottom six forward depth. Oh, yes, guy. Third line, solid. Fourth line, solid. So much of a concern a year ago, and now it looks very firm. Yes, guy to that. The final yes, guy, no guy of this particular segment. You're ready to predict a playoff success story. Oh, no, guy. We got to get there first. There's plenty of ground to cover, or ice, if you will. Hope you enjoyed Episode 4, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back next week for Episode 5. 